It's wonderful once again to be able to come and uh, share God's Word with you and look at the subject which is one of the great themes in the Bible. Um, let's just open in prayer before we get into God's Word. Father, thank you that your Word is life, your Word is spirit. We thank you that your Word works in us who believe. Thank you that it produces in us the kind of life that you seek. Thank you, Father, that it produces the fruit that you seek. And so, Father, I pray today that as we look into your word, that you would cause it to work effectually in our lives, to bring forth the fruit that you seek, the kind of life that you seek in us and through us in this world. So, Father, we commit this time to you as we discuss and look at your word. We ask for the help of your Holy Spirit, that he would enable us. He would enable me, Father, to communicate, and he would enable those that are listening to be able to understand and receive what your word says. So we ask this, and we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Today I want to speak about the topic of the day of the Lord, and this is a a topic that is spoken about not only in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament. It's one of the great themes of Scripture. And uh, as you read through Scripture, you will see this phrase cropping up in Scripture. Particularly, we see it in the writings of the prophets, the books of the prophets in the Old Testament. But we also see it in the writings of the apostles, this phrase, the day of the Lord. So that's what we're going to look at today. And... Uh, I've selected today out of the multitudes of passages that refer to the day of the Lord. I've selected just three passages. Uh, two of them come from the Old Testament. One of them comes from the New Testament. They both fairly, uh, or all of them are fairly lengthy passages. So we're going to read quite a bit of scripture today. But I want you to hear what scripture says. It's so important that we hear scripture, that we listen to scripture, that we read scripture. Because it's through that that we really get an understanding of what Scripture is trying to tell us. So we're going to read these three passages. And then we're going to um, answer two questions using these passages. We're going to answer two questions. What is the day of the Lord? And when will the day of the Lord come? And then we're going to look at how this, this truth of the day of the Lord uh, applies to humanity in general. And then also to us as believers specifically. So let's get into these three passages. Let's have a, a look at them. The first one is Isaiah chapter 13. And we're going to read from verses 6 to 12. Okay, so Isaiah chapter 13 verses 6 to 12. I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard Bible. And uh, this is what it says. Wail for the day of the Lord is near. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. Therefore all hands will fall limp, and every man's heart will melt. They will be terrified. Pains and anguish will take hold of them. They will writhe like a woman in labor. They will look at one another in astonishment, their faces aflame. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, cruel and with fury and burning anger. To make the land a desolation, and he will exterminate its sinners from it. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not flash forth their light. The sun will be dark when it rises, and the moon will not shed its light. 
Thus I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will also put an end to the arrogance of the proud and abase the haughtiness of the ruthless. I will make mortal man scarcer than pure gold and mankind than the gold of Ophir. The second passage we're going to read is from Zephaniah chapter 1. We're going to read from verses 14 to verse 18. This is what we read there. Near is the great day of the Lord, near and coming very quickly. Listen, the day of the Lord. In it the warrior cries out bitterly. A day of wrath is that day, a day of trouble and distress, a day of destruction and desolation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and battle cry against the fortified cities and the high and the high corner towers i will bring distress on men so that they will walk like the blind because they have sinned against the lord and their blood will be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung neither their silver nor their gold will be able to deliver them on the day of the lord's wrath and all the earth will be devoured in the fire of his jealousy for he will make a complete end Indeed, a terrifying one of all the inhabitants of the earth. Lastly, let's look at 2 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to read from verses 3 to 15. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 to 15 says this. This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you, in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets, those are the words we've just been reading. And the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Know this first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice. Beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these th things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning, and the elements will melt with intense heat? But according to His promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, 
Be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom God gave him, wrote to you. So let's look at these passages now. Let's answer these two questions. And let's look at what this means to us as God's people and to humanity as a whole. What is the day of the Lord? This is the first question that we want to look at today. And what can we learn about these passages about the day of the Lord? Well, if I just quote to you the very words that we take out of these passages, we can very easily see what the day of the Lord is all about. Firstly, it's a day of wrath. It's a day of trouble and distress. It's a day of destruction and desolation. These are all phrases that come out of these passages. It's a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and battle cry. It will be cruel with fury and burning anger. It's the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men. It's the day when God will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. When he will put an end to the arrogance of the proud and abase the haughtiness of the ruthless. A day when God will make the land a desolation and exterminate its sinners from within it. The day of God is the day which will bring about the fulfilling of the words which we read in Revelation chapter 11 verse 17. Where God will take his great power and he will begin to reign on the earth when he will crush all rebellion once and for all and establish his government in its fullness on this earth, on this planet. It's the day that Revelation 11:15 talks about when it says that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and that he will reign forever and ever. We also see from these scriptures that the day of the Lord, when the scriptures talks about the day of the Lord, it's not referring to a literal 24-hour period, but it's referring to a period of time, an era, one could say, a dispensation, one could say, when the Lord is going to be executing His judgment. He's going to be executing His wrath upon the ungodly. Peter said in the passage that we read that with the Lord... A day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. Scripture talks about the day in which we live right now as being the day of salvation. It's not a literal day. It is an era. It is a period of time in which God is offering salvation to people. And uh, the same, in the same way, the day of the Lord is not going to be a literal 24-hour period. But it's going to be a period of time in which God is going to be executing judgment and wrath on those that do not receive the salvation that He's freely offering to people during this day, the day of salvation. We also see that the day of the Lord is not just going to be a regional event. It's not going to be just something that happens in one particular area of the world, whether it be the Middle East or some other place. It's not just going to affect one nation. We can see clearly from the passages that we've read that it's talking here about a global cosmic event. Zephaniah prophesied all the earth will be devoured. Notice that phrase, all the earth will be devoured in the fire of his jealousy 
and he will make a complete end, a terrifying one, of all the inhabitants of the earth. So he's talking here about something that is global, something that is cosmic. Uh, in Ezekiel chapter 30 and verse 3, it says that it will be a time of doom for all nations. Okay, so God is going to be dealing with the whole world, with the whole of humanity, and with all nations at this time. The Lord Jesus himself said in Luke chapter 21 and verse 35, that it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. So it's global, it's cosmic in its extent. Peter said the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. So what we can see is that the day of the Lord is going to bring about the end of the world as we know it today. It's going to bring about the end of this age that we're living in. This dispensation of time that we're living in. And so as it brings about this end to this age, there is going to be the bringing in of a new age. It's going to be the end of man's pride and arrogance once and for all. It's going to be the end of rebellion on the earth once and for all. It's going to be the end of the prosperity of the wicked. Things that we see today, things that are around us today. And it's going to be the establishing of God's kingdom on the earth. God. God's rule on the earth in its fullness. It will result, as Peter said, in the establishment of new heavens and a new earth in which the righteous will dwell. Okay, so that gives you an idea of what the, the day of the Lord is all about. As we look at Scripture, we can see many examples that have been given to us in Scripture of what the day of the Lord is all about. In fact, there are many times where we see in Scripture, instances that we see in Scripture where God judged cities or He judged nations. And he, when He judged them, He referred to it as the day of the Lord coming upon those cities and upon those nations. And so through those examples that God has given in Scripture, we gain understanding of what's going to happen when the real day of the Lord, the full day of the Lord, the day of the Lord that we're talking about today comes about when it arrives here on the earth. So we see God has poured out His wrath on cities and nations. And uh, we also see, as Peter points out in this passage, that God judged the world of Noah's time with a flood and He destroyed it with a flood. And Peter points back to that instance. He points back to that occurrence, that happening, that event. And he says this is a picture of what God is going to be doing when the day of the Lord comes, what He's going to bring about. And this is what he says. He says that at that time the whole earth was destroyed by a flood. Only eight people survived. The people that entered into the ark that God had got Noah to build, they were the only ones that were saved from the destruction that came on the earth at that particular time. Every other human being that was alive on the face of the earth at that time was destroyed and perished in that flood. And so Peter points out that the same way that it was then is the way it's going to be when the day of God, the day of the Lord arrives. He says, when the day of the Lord arrives, it will consume this present heavens and earth with fire in the same way as the flood destroyed the, t the world in the time of Noah. And instead of it being only those that enter into the ark, as it was in the days of Noah, that will be saved, 
It will only be those who are in Christ that will be saved. So everyone that's outside of Christ is going to perish on the day of the Lord. They are going to come under God's wrath and God's judgment. Only those who belong to Jesus, who have believed in Him, who have followed Him, who have trusted in Him and obeyed Him will be saved on that day. The rest of humanity is going to perish. And so I think we can see from these words the, the, the significance, the relevance, the importance of these words and of understanding what God is actually saying to us and what Scripture is warning us about. Let's move on and answer the second question today. When will this day come? Well, the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 2 to 3 answers this question and Peter in the passage we read, also answers it. Paul says, The day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. So we don't know. A person doesn't know exactly when a thief is going to come. When a thief comes, it usually takes people by surprise. And that's what the day of the Lord is going to be like. It's going to arrive, Scripture tells us, like a thief in the night. And Paul carries on. He says, While... People are saying peace and safety, destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child and they will not escape. People will not escape. And so what we see is that people are going to be caught completely unawares by the coming of the day of the Lord. And uh, we, we can read in other places in scripture where we are told that it will be just like it was in the days of Noah where people were uh, planting, people were at their businesses, people were sleeping, people were going around about their lives just as normal and suddenly it came. Suddenly destruction came. So most people in this world are going to be caught unawares by this. One day it's going to be as it is today and the next day everything is going to change. It's going to happen suddenly like labor pains coming on a woman. It's going to happen in a twinkling of an eye. Everything will be changed. And people are not going to escape this unless they have listened to Scripture and heeded Scripture before it takes place. In fact, Paul says here that people are going to be saying, peace, peace, and suddenly destruction is going to come upon them. And so the very thing that people in the world are looking for and hoping for and expecting it's going, to, it's going to be the opposite of that. It's going to be the opposite of what they're expecting when the day of the Lord comes. This day is drawing near. This day is right at the door. We are living in the last times, the last times, the last days as Scripture calls them. Peter also tells us that this day will only come after a significant period of time. A time in which God's patience is being exercised. A period in which God is holding back His indignation, His righteous indignation, and where He is giving people time to repent so that they may not perish. And that's the time that we're living in right now. We're living in this time where God's patience is holding back His righteous anger, His righteous judgment. Peter also said that just before the time, when the day of God, the day of the Lord is about to come, scoffers would arise. 
people scoffing and saying, where is this day that God has promised? Where is this day that Scripture speaks about? This day that the prophets prophesied? Where is it? And people will doubt it. People will say, it's rubbish. It's, you know, it's not true. They will scoff at the Word of God. Why? Because it hasn't happened as quickly as they thought it should or as quickly as they thought it would in their understanding. And the problem is, is that they forget that Scripture shows us over and over again that just because this day is taking longer than people think does not mean that it's not eventually going to come. Scripture shows us that before God judges and destroys, He always warns people and He always gives people time to repent. We see this throughout Scripture. Why does God do this? Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse 11 tells us. Because God does not take pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they repent and live. You see, so instead of God just judging and destroying, He sends messengers. He sends His word into the earth. He sends warnings to sinners so that they have an opportunity to be able to repent, to be able to turn back to God and receive forgiveness from Him and so be saved. And it's always God's desire to relent from sending calamity, to relent from sending destruction. We see this in the days of Noah. Do you know that God was patient with the people in, in Noah's time? The whole time that Noah was building that ark, God was speaking to the people of Noah's generation. The Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Noah was preaching to the people of his generation and telling them that a flood was coming, that God was going to destroy the earth. They had never seen rain at that time. So the people living at that time had never seen what Noah was predicting and prophesying was going to take place. And when they saw Noah building this ark on dry ground, they couldn't understand what was going on and they scoffed at him. They didn't believe the word of God until it was too late and they were destroyed in the flood. We see this with Israel. When God was uh, going to, uh, getting ready to punish and, and, and judge Israel because of their sins, He sent the prophets to Israel day after day, time after time, giving them warning, saying, turn back to God, repent of your wickedness so that you can live. Turn back to God. He will forgive you if you will turn back to Him. Israel did not listen to God. Israel refused to listen to the prophets. And so instead of them being spared from God's wrath, they came under it just as the prophets prophesied. On the other, on the other hand, we see the prophet Jonah being sent to the city of Nineveh. And he was sent it with a message. And what was that message? In 40 days, God is going to destroy the city. The people of Nineveh, right from the very king, all the way down to the very least, they turned, they believed what Jonah said and they turned to God in repentance and they sought God's forgiveness and they sought God's mercy. And the moment that they turned to God in repentance with fasting and with sackcloth, do you know what happened? God relented. He turned His anger away from that city and He spared that city. And do you know that He was happy to do that? You see, God gives people an opportunity to repent. He gives people an opportunity 
to turn back to Him. And when people do that, they will find forgiveness for their sins. They will not experience, they will not come under God's wrath as He has said, but they will be spared from it. We see there's two ways people can respond to the Word of God, to the message of the Scriptures, the prophetic message of the Scriptures. There's two ways that people can respond to the, this very theme that we're looking at today, the, the day of the Lord. Firstly, the first way is people can uh, receive it like the people of Nineveh did. They can believe what God's Word says and they can take up this opportunity that God is giving to repent and receive forgiveness for their sins and be made right with God, be reconciled to God so that they will not come under the judgment and wrath of God. The other way people respond is they scoff. They hear the warnings, they hear the word of God, and they turn deaf ears to it. They laugh at it, they reject it, they get angry because of it. And you know that most people in the world today, this is how they respond to, to, the, to the warnings of God, the warnings that come from His word, from Scripture. This is how they respond. The people in Noah's time did that. The Israelites did that. It seems like they cannot see that there is a holy God in heaven who sees everything that we do, who hears every word that we say, and who is grieved in his heart by wickedness and sin that we commit. It's as if we're blinded and we cannot see the uplifted hand of the Lord that's about to come upon the earth. And we live our lives as if the warnings of Scripture are just a fairy tale. But you know that one day what's, what God has said is going to come to pass. Just like it did for the nation of Israel. Just like it did in the days of Noah. God's warnings will ultimately be fulfilled. Suddenly it can change. In a twinkling of an eye, this is what will happen. We need to realize that what the prophets and the apostles have prophesied is going to come to pass. The Lord Jesus said this. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. We need to ask God to fill our hearts as believers with His love for people. With His love for the people that we come into contact with on a daily basis as we go about our lives. Do you know that God's love is not silent when it sees people headed towards destruction? Do you know that God's love speaks? God's love warns. God, God's love pleads with sinners. Do you know that it speaks to sinners even in the face of hostility? The prophets of old, as they warned the nation of Israel about the impending disaster that was coming upon them, do you know that they, they were persecuted by the very people that they were sent to warn? The very people that they were seeking the salvation of turned around and persecuted them. Why? Because they, these people loved their sin. They didn't want to hear the truth. They didn't want to be told that God's wrath was coming. Why? Because they didn't want to repent. And do you know that it can be the same for us? It will be the same for us. Today, 
when we stand and we warn people about the fact that God is going to judge, God is going to execute wrath on unrepentant people, unrepentant sinners. Do you know what happens? We get called haters. We, we are called bigots. We are called all kinds of different names. We are considered to be just re- a radical religious fanatics. And we are persecuted. But you know that nothing is new under the sun. That's exactly what happened to the prophets. It's exactly what happened to our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus said this. He said, the reason the world hates me is because what I testify that to what it, what it is doing is evil. And so they crucified the Lord Jesus. They put him on a cross because they didn't like the message that he was bringing to them. And you realize that that's the way it's going to be, even for us. But if we love people, if the love of God is in our hearts, we will not keep silent. To keep silent when people are on their way to destruction is nothing more than selfishness. You see, the love of God will do everything it can to save people from destruction. Imagine a blind man walking down a road with his blind man's stick. And as he's walking down the road, he doesn't realize that there is a deep trench that has been dug across the road. He's walked that road many times, but he's never fallen in that trench because it wasn't there. And so as he's walking down the road, he comes towards this trench and you're standing right there and you see what is happening. You realize that this blind man is in danger of falling into that trench. He doesn't know that it's there. So what will you do? What would love do? Love would come to that blind man. Love would shout to that blind man. Love would take a hold of that blind man and do everything that it could to stop that blind man falling into that pit, falling into that trench. And you know that that's the way the love of God is towards people who do not know that they are headed for destruction. God wants us to be His voice, His messengers in this earth, warning people that the day of the Lord is coming. Also, we who call ourselves believers, we also need to examine our own lives and live them in the light of the fact that there is going to be a day of judgment. There is going to be a day of reckoning. There is going to be the day of the Lord. And His judgment and His wrath not going to fall on the righteous. When, as we read these scriptures, it was very clear. It's coming upon the proud. It's coming upon the haughty. It's coming upon the ungodly. It's coming upon the wicked. It's coming upon unrepentant sinners. As God's people, we need to make sure that we ourselves have repented. That we're not involved in the kinds of sin that the Bible says is bringing God's wrath on the earth. That we're not allowing any form of wickedness to remain in our hearts and in our lives. Just because we call ourselves believers does not give us a license to live the way that the ungodly are living. Because if we live the way the ungodly are living, how can we expect God to treat us any differently from them? Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians, to the believers in Ephesus. These words speak to us as well. 
It's found in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 7. I just want to end with reading this passage. Paul says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. So he's telling us we need to walk in love. We need to live a life of love, a life of laying down our lives for other people, which includes warning them and speaking to them about what God has said is going to happen. Paul continues, he says, But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. And then he says this, For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one, he says, deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. I know that this has been a sobering message, but it's one that we all must hear. It's one that we all must take to heart. It's one that we must never forget. Scripture is so clear. The day of the Lord is coming. God wants us to be prepared. As Peter said, He wants us to be spotless, at peace with Him, and without blame when that time comes. When we stand before God, and you know He's made a way for every single one of us to be able to, to have that, to be able to stand before Him with exceedingly great joy on that day rather than to face His wrath and destruction. And how has He made that way? He's made it through sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross as a sacrifice for our sins. What do we have to do? The Bible tells us, turn back to God, turn to Him. The Bible calls it repentance. Turn to Him, put our faith in Jesus Christ, and follow Him. Live our lives according to God's Word. It's as simple as that. And the Bible says that if we will do that, God will forgive us for our sins. He will justify us, and He will treat us as if we had never sinned. That's the hope that we have. So even in the face of this message, which is very sobering, there is great hope, great hope for every human being, great hope for humanity. It lies in Jesus Christ and in our turning in faith towards Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that You are not a God who just destroys, that You're not a God who just executes wrath, but You're a God who always gives us time to repent, always gives us time to seek your forgiveness, to be reconciled to you, to make peace with you. 
Father, my prayer today is that every single person in the sound of my voice that will listen to this message will do that very thing. I pray that, Father, these words might touch their hearts. I pray that they would not harden them, that they would not turn a deaf ear to them, that they would not shrug their shoulders and walk away, that they would not scoff at them. But I pray, Father, today that every person that hears this message and hears the Word of God in it, that is coming through it, would turn in repentance to you. They would be convicted of their sin and they would put their hope and their faith in Jesus Christ that they would call upon His name and that they would become followers of Him. I pray this today in Jesus' name. And I pray, Father, that every single one of us who believes in, in Christ, who believes in You, who is already a follower of Jesus, that we ourselves, Father, would make sure that there is nothing in our lives that is not pleasing to You. And that You would help us to deal with all those things, anything, any sin that may have got a grip over us, that may have overcome us, and you would enable us, Father, to become clean and clear and free of that very thing. I ask this in Jesus' name today. And we give you thanks for hearing our prayers. Amen. If any of you would like to contact our church office, uh, have a pastor who will be able to speak with you, and you want to talk about anything that may just arise in your life as a result of this message, you want, to, you want to maybe become a part of a church or you need a church to be able to come to, we would be very pleased to have a call from you. Uh, contact our church offices. You'll find in the description below this video, you will find the details of, our, of where our church office is and how you can contact us. And we would be uh, ex extremely glad to be able to hear from you and to be able to help you to escape what is coming on the earth and to find forgiveness uh, for your sins and a new life with God through Jesus Christ. God bless you all. I pray that the Word of God will have its full and complete work with us. Amen.